Well, howdy, y'all. Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. This is my podcast. How y'all doing? Oh, man. What a whirlwind week. I uh, I got a call from my friend Nikki Glandon a couple days ago. She was on her way uh, into town from Utah here to do a little work, a little change of scenery. And uh, I said, come on over. Let's uh, let's have a chat on the mics. Uh, Nikki's an author. She's written a series of children's books called Pete the Pony. I have read them now. I had not read them when we had uh, had done our chat because uh, it happened so quickly. It came out of nowhere. Next thing I knew, Nikki was here. We were sitting down. Uh, Nikki's also written another book, not for kids, called uh, Whiskey in Your Coffee. Uh, that one came out a few years back. I have read that one. That's a nice one, too. You should check them all out. But we had a good chat. Nikki just got into town a few days ago, and uh, I'm glad that we got to sit and chat. There's uh, lots of fun, fun stuff here. This is a talk between a couple of friends, a couple people who go way back. I hope you guys enjoy it. So here it is, my chat with my friend, Nikki Glandon. We're doing the podcast. You got to tell me your uh, your trip and why you're here. I hadn't seen you in years. It's been a minute. It's been a long time. Yeah, I don't know. Five? Did we decide five years ago? It's probably been five years since I've seen you last. Some... You're back in East Tennessee. I am. Yeah, I've been out in Utah for thirteen years, give oh, or take. Man. Park City. Mm-hmm. Well, I was in a little town. I was in Park City, and I was in a town called Camas and Pioa, but they're all. Right there, They're all right there. Park City adjacent. Yes. I can't believe you brought your horse to Tennessee. Well, I wasn't going to leave him behind. <laughs> <laughs> that must be that, that must mean you're like you're going to be here for a minute if you brought your horse. You know, I'm not sure how long I'm going to be here. I just knew that bringing him and my dog felt good. Yeah. <laughs> Put all the rest of my stuff in storage, and I made room for them. So you had to tow a horse across the United States from Utah to Tennessee? <laughs> I did. <laughs> What's that like? Do you have to let him? I mean, I, I assume there's like, there's there's all the bathroom stuff that has to happen and all the like the, the, the self-care stuff that a horse has to do on, on a 2,000 mile trip. Yeah. So <laughs> it can't was... be easy. Um, no, I, I don't know. I think, I'm not sure if... If easy, I don't know. I was just going to do it. I was yeah. just going to do it. That's that's what happened. I made a decision on a Tuesday. I had an opportunity, which I'll share with you. But yeah. I made a decision on a Tuesday, and I was like, okay, I'm grabbing Waylon, who's my horse, and my dog, Roscoe. And I had already known I was on a lease. I already had known I could get out my lease. Yeah. And... I was like, I'm going to put the rest of my stuff in storage and we're going to head back and we're going to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and so I moved out of my house, packed my stuff. In Utah? In Utah. Yeah. Did all the things, got the horse, the dog, the car, and off we went. Truck and a horse trailer. Yep. Yeah. And so I had done a little research about traveling across the country with a horse and I didn't have time to do the things that they were telling me to do. So I I met a woman. I was getting acupuncture and this woman sat down next to me and she was 75, give or take, she told yeah. me. And she starts telling me the story about getting bucked off a horse and that's why she was getting acupuncture. And I was like, this is kind of crazy. Like, she's out of the blue. And so at the end of the conversation, I said, so I've got a question. I said, I'm getting ready to drive across the country with my horse for the first time ever. 
or haul a trailer for the first time ever by myself. And any tips? And she was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, she's like, he can sleep in the trailer at the hotel, like get him out, exercise him. Like, no big deal. It's all good. And I was like, okay. She's like, I've been training horses, breaking horses for years. I was like, all right. And I just, I just knew she knew what she was talking about. And I believed in her confidence. I was like, all right. So I did the things. I kind of planned the trip. Not really. One of my best friends who you know, Cody Davis. Oh, yeah. We drove across. Ben and I drove across the country a long time ago. Yep. And we stayed with my friend Cody. Yeah. Well, I called her and I said, hey, I'm headed back to Tennessee for a minute. Um, Love to see you. She's like, okay. I was like, I got a horse and trailer in tow. She's like, okay, and Cody lives in downtown, like not downtown, but um, Denver, right outside of Denver. So yeah. the suburbs there, it's it's a neighborhood through and through. Like so, like your first night, you drove from Utah to Denver. Yeah, yeah, and stayed with your friend at in the in the Denver burbs. Yeah, with a horse trailer with a horse in it. Yeah, okay, <laughs> and dog. Yeah, and a dog. Yeah, and so, well, and getting there was it was just really. Um, impactful and powerful and i don't know it's cool yeah you're towing you're you're, <laughs> you're you're towing a thousand pound almost a two thousand pound animal right yeah and then yeah. the trailer yeah yeah so <laughs> something I, that needs to eat and sleep too. well he can do well i don't feed him in the trailer because of respiratory stuff see oh, okay i learned this before i went yeah and uh and he's fine yeah he's you know i got him water i did all that jazz so so i left utah and of course you know when you're leaving it takes a little bit more time i left at like two and raining naturally of course (laughs) of course add that to the whole story yeah and we go down through colorado and take some colorado state roads that all of a sudden it was rain and slush and and the weather is heavy duty out there they know how to do (laughs) snow they know how to do rain wind all of it all of it and they know how to do it all of a sudden yeah (laughs) and on roads where you're like how did you even build this road (laughs) and so i had a few thoughts you know i i have to be honest traveling as a woman alone there's a lot of other factors that you have to think about i bet and so i'm driving on these back roads and i'm like okay i've thought of all all the factors and the things and and then you get out in the middle of nowhere with no service and you're like well i guess it's just me shit (laughs) if something goes wrong (laughs) We'll figure it out, you know. But that hardens you. That's like that's self sufficiency. People people get away from their phones now, lose service, and freak out. You know what I mean? I loved it. I mean, and I, yeah. I'm, but I'm live. I I love that all the time. So, but there was there was definitely something um, in, empowering about it. And I bet. so, I mean, that's a boss thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at that time, I was like, okay, we got this, and then it started like sleeting, and I can't remember the state road we were on, but it takes you from basically right when you get into Denver or into Colorado, crosses you over into Rifle. And when you get into Rifle, Colorado, you hit I-70. Mm. And so I was like, it started getting all gnarly through there. And I was like, okay, we got 28 miles. But that 28 miles is like 28 miles of back roads, snow, trucks. It's is country. It, it's beautiful. I mean, yeah. it was night. It was You're night. You're talking when about I-70? Through- Not yet. It's, okay. it's right before there. So then you okay. pop off right in Rifle. And uh, you pop, you start going down I-70. And it's fine for a minute. And then you hit Glenwood Canyon, which if you've ever driven that with just a car, it's nothing but curves. It took 20 years to engineer the canyon. They've started having- To build a road through it? Yeah. yeah. No, I think to just engineer it. 
to figure out how to simply build that road because the canyon walls were so steep mm. and a lot of people didn't want the canyon ruined. So they, um, it's a, it took them that long. Yeah. And so bureaucracy and, and <laughs> all the stuff, Yeah, all the stuff. And so they have like rock slides through there. So that was the first section pulling a trailer and you, you feel it a little differently, you know, yeah. driving a car. Um, and then from there you hit Vail and you start to gain elevation and then you go over Vail Pass. And I'm not sure the, do you know the elevation of Vail Pass? No, I knew when we were at your place in Silverthorne, like long time ago. 2006 or 2007 Man. that was like 11,000 feet I want to say yeah in Silver I, I and don't quote me on this Ville Pass is up there it's 13 yeah. wow get 12 12 yeah. 5 13 something like that I don't know that's up there it's up it's up there yeah. and it's it's just a climb you know but here's the thing it's it's not what you can haul up it's what you can stop <laughs> on the way down on the way down yeah. so I'm going up and I'm like we got this and at one point I just started to realize like I was going like 20 miles an hour and I was like, okay, come on, like get your head back in the game. Not going to get to Tennessee this way. (laughs) No, or over this pass this way. So, and it was beautiful snow, but if you've ever driven in the snow, there's this like snow trance. You experienced it, Ben? Yeah, 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 yeah. Coming to, uh, from Denver to Winter Park one time. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, uh, we call it like Star Wars. Yeah. You know, like you're kind of like going through the galaxy. Feel like you're in the cockpit. Yeah. 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 And so you just get lost in that. So all of a sudden that was happening. It was beautiful and and wonderful. And so uh, I'll be honest, I just put some Johnny Cash on, blared it, and was like, okay. (laughs) Gonna do it. We got it. We got this. How long did it take to get to Tennessee? Um, Let's see. I left on Tuesday and I got in... Saturday night. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that you're that you're back and I, and it seems like you're here to like kind of hunker down and work a little bit. Yeah. On your books. Yep. Yeah. Have you done Have you done that yet? Oh yeah. Since you've been back. Oh yeah, it's been game on. Is it a good place to like disconnect and be creative? It is. You know, and what's beautiful now about where I'm at is it's kind of shifting gears, and so I was really able to focus on the creativity before and now like you said hunker down on gotcha the other side so you worked on the creative part before it's been it's been running it's been turning around rattling around in your brain for a minute and yep. now it's time to put it all down yep love that so i i've i've got your i think your first book whiskey and your coffee yes got that uh but now it's it's on the kids books yes and you've already done a couple of those right I have six, but it's it's in a series. Okay. So they're called Lessons from Pete the Pony. Okay. I've got them inside. I hadn't read them yet. You just brought them tonight. I did. I can't wait. It was raining out, so we couldn't leave them outside and no, get them all wet. Put them inside. Yep. Okay. So we got to talk about the first book. How did that like? How did that become a thing that you wanted to do? Because when I, I saw that you had, had had done it, I couldn't wait to to read it. It's good. It's it's. Uh, it's a little. It's almost like affirmations, almost to me. That's kind of what I take away from it. Yeah, perfect positivity. That's what yeah. it's about. Yeah. Um, the books, the seed of the books was planted years ago. I waited tables and bartended for a long time, and I always said I want to write a book about um, manners. Okay. That taught the parents manners. So the kids' books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I said I wanted to write a kids' book that taught manners, but it was for the it was for the kids, but it was also for the parents. Okay. And so that's where it had initially started. And that was, I don't know, five or six years ago. 
And recently I had a child's book out on my counter um, and I walked by it and I just thought, kids mindful book, mindfulness book about horses. And so I wrote that sticky note down. Was that what the book was about that you saw or that's, that's what your, that's where it took your mind. That's where it took my mind. I had Zen pig, which is a mindfulness book. Okay. And I just was like, oh, okay. Mindfulness book about horses. Like, okay. That's all I thought. Yeah. So I put a little sticky note on there and let it be. And then I don't know, probably two months later, I went down to the lake um, and started meditating. And all of a sudden I had this thought of lessons from Pete the Pony. So I stopped meditating, I opened my journal and I wrote the first book right there in my truck. Okay. So that's how they started. So the first two were, the first one's lessons from Pete the Pony meet the herd. And the second one, that was about manners is lessons from Pete the Pony. Pete goes to dinner and he teaches about manners in and the restaurant. And that's the crux of that's the crux of it. Mm-hmm. That's where it kind of all came from. That's where it but all you came didn't from. lead from that. Lead with that. You led with uh, meet the herd. So I is that like the, the is herd. that like the the is that like the Hobbit of this whole uh, deal? It's like the 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 prelude. Yes, <laughs> it's like the welcome to the party. Welcome Here's the to scene. the herd. Here's little, the scene. Yeah. So you're uh, world building. Yes. A little bit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then we're going to get into lessons. Yes. And so the uh, so which ones are in print? Um, right now there's five in print. Tomorrow, well, yeah, tomorrow there will be one more in print. Okay. And so yeah, so six total in okay. print. Cool. Mm-hmm. Find them on Amazon. Yes. Oh man. Yes. I'm excited. It's cool, and I do coloring books with them well. So I've started to do coloring books for restaurants with the manners one, and so that they can put their own logos and menus in the back, so that the kids can have those as a gift and just a lesson to teach manners while they're at your restaurant. That's super fun, and so many like so many restaurants uh, don't want to. I don't think encourage having kids in there a lot of times because it means a lot of. Means you gotta have the crayons, you gotta have the stuff, you gotta clean up messes and all that. But like a book that you can take home with you, right? that kind of seems like a decent, like unobtrusive way. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And it's a great way for them to, you know, promote their restaurant. Yeah. Being able to put their own brand and it's fun because they can change the name on the restaurant and yeah. and customize it. Super cool. Um, but the what about the first book? The one that got you into f- figuring out that you could write? Um, what do you mean? What about it? I don't know. I, I remember like, when you put it out. I bought I bought a copy of it. Did you? Yeah. Oh, that I makes my it. day. Whiskey and your coffee. Oh, that book, not the kids' books. No, not the kids' books. Oh, okay. Can we talk about that? Yeah, one? we can talk about that book. Yeah. Um, I I read I, I read a bunch of the stories out of it. And I really liked it, and and I don't know if it's I, I don't often read people that I know, so I I didn't uh I don't know if I if I could just see your, if I could hear your voice in it or what, but it was really good. And it was, it was a lot of, you know, different stories and anecdotes that were kind of, I don't know, close to me a little bit, but what made you want to, what made you want to write it? Oh, um, let's see. So whiskey and your coffee is a hundred short stories. And the introduction actually shares my story and struggle with depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and suicidal tendencies. And so it's called whiskey and your coffee because it's, the concept that it's okay for days that you just want to have some whiskey in your coffee and you feel a little <laughs> off and like that 
I don't want to call it nor I don't want to normalize it, but I want to say that it's it's okay like to have those moments. And so then whiskey in your coffee really helps to inspire you to even in those moments to remember the opposite side, to remember the gratitude and the love and the self-love and and to really dive in and to to find that place of of grit and grace. So dig it. That's why I wanted to share my story to help other people because I was like, I'm not the only one out there that's gone through this. And we know that with mental health, but it was just important for me to say, hey. Yeah, a lot of times it feels like people want to know they have an ally or yeah. know somebody can is thinking the same way yeah. that they are. That always feels always feels good. Well, and that's one of my biggest points is that you're not in this alone. Yeah. You know, and that and it's there's days I've called my best friends and been like, dude, I just put whiskey in my coffee. Like we need to, we need to have a conversation and a prayer and it's perfect. It's allowing yourself those moments of, of like, well, sorry, but like, well, fuck. Like, it's just like, that's just how I feel, you know? Yeah. Almost recognition. Yeah. You know, being okay to recognize. And like recognize. Feeling. Yeah. And then let it go and be like, okay, like cool noted. And this means something Yeah, like this, this is, this is a, this means something else's. Something uh, else is, it, is happening yeah, within. Something else is happening, yeah. And and what that whatever that is, like, is up to you to figure out. And I'll be honest, it's work. Like you, it's but it's good work. It's like diving in. It's like closing your eyes and being like, okay, what is that? Because we're just we're super connected and we're super powerful. But a lot of times we don't want to like dive in and be like, oh, like there are the monsters in, under the bed, <laughs> you know? That's then you got to deal with it. I know, but point. it's so much better when you do. That's that's the fun part. Dealing with it? Yeah. It is. Like, just dive in. Like, we all have it. Yeah, it's it's work, but it's worth it. Yeah. It's yeah. totally. Yeah. And in it, it sucks. But on the other side, I Yeah, promise. but it's not hard scrabble. Like, at the no. at the end, you get you get out of it what you, what you put right in. I think in. the worst part is when you have that moment, and I won't even call it the end, because there's always growth and learning, but there's that moment where it, like, kind of switches. Where you have self-awareness yeah. that you got out of it what you meant to. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's the thing. In that moment at the end, it's like, oh, was well, that easy? Because you forget, like, the concept. I'll, I'll reference it as, like, a tattoo. Like, if anybody ever, if you have a tattoo, you might be able to understand this. Like, in it, it hurts. And you're like, oh, my gosh, like, why am I doing this? And then afterwards, you don't remember. And for some reason, we keep going back and getting more. <laughs> so you forget about the pain and you get the hopefully joy from whatever you decided to, to tattoo on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's really what it's like. It's like that. To me, it's like that. So, all right, I'm I'm going to I'm going to tell you I don't remember what you were up to 6 months ago when I when I or 6 years ago when I saw you. In uh I think the last time I saw you was in Park City, maybe. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. I don't But you were about to, I think you were I don't know if the photography thing was still going on or if the yoga studio was happening. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember seeing you, but I did have a yoga studio. Yeah. It's called Oak and Willow. So about six years ago, I was doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, five, six years. Yeah. That's that's crazy. That's That was that long ago. <laughs> it was more like four or five years ago. Okay. In Park City? Yep. Do you have a place like downtown? In the it wasn't in downtown. It was right outside of town. It was such a great little space. I loved that space and I had wonderful students and then some stuff changed with my um lease mm -hmm. and it just wasn't going to work Decided out anymore. To do it. Yeah. Yeah. Still and practice? It, I do all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you've moved into like the equine therapy stuff too, right? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. 
what what what's that? Like I've always heard about horses being good for people with anxiety, but like, is this a, a more accessible like deal where everybody can get can kind of get something out of therapy from a quadruped like a horse? <laughs> I, absolutely. To me, anybody can can benefit from it. I took my five year old nephew yesterday, and I've never seen or you know he was just so proud and so excited to be around just such a really beautiful species to me like they're ancient and healing and and helping and i've seen time and time again people connect with a horse and literally put their hands on a horse and it just shifts everything and it's really it's really amazing i think one of the coolest things about a horse is when they get attacked by a predator um, they re- they release a chemical in their body that helps them smell rancid. So hopefully the predator leaves. Mm. Well, when they get up from that, they shake it off. So they shake it out. So they don't hold on to that trauma. Whereas humans, we tend to hold on to a lot of our stuff. Like we were talking about, you got to do the work and dive in. <laughs> and that's where horses can really accelerate that process for people because they allow it to let go. There's no more holding on to whatever crap there's yeah, there is part of their personality is yep. just to live right then yep they yeah. they have to that's all they know is there's they, it's all about being present and so that's another really great aspect well what's the you said they were anciently they were they were te- ancient teachers well just i mean they've been around forever like from you know use with native americans to spaniards the horse has just been an, an animal that people have been drawn to for forever there's something in there, like with such a big animal, you can you can almost see a lot of animals that big. You don't see soul in their eyes. Horses are different for you, me. Yeah, they just know right away. They do, and like <laughs> that's intuitive what, animals. Oh yeah, well, and that's why people react to them because it's like, whoa, they just like pick that up, and it's like, it's pretty cool. I've I've learned more from my horse than like <laughs> years of studying and college degree and all of that jazz. It's like. I can get on that horse and he's like, hey, you should learn to trust or, you know, like <laughs> whatever it may be. What is it, though? What is it about about that that gives you space to like, I don't know, gives gives you space to learn? About being on the back of a horse yeah, or around them? Yeah, around them. And I guess on the back of them, too. I just think it's what you said. It's that they're just such an intuitive animal and that they know and they pick up and it's energy. It is energy, right? Mm-hmm. It's like all, they just, yeah. and I guess dogs and other other animals like that are intuitive too, and in that you know they say you freak out totally. They don't. Know. You don't have to say a thing. A dog's going to freak out too. You know. Yep. Uh, and and I think horses. I guess the thing that makes it so, um, that makes it different with a horse is they're just so damn big. There's so much mass. Well, and I think that actually like is very relative because. Because of that, you have to even be more aware. You have to be present with them. You can't be out in like la la land, you know, like because the second they step on your foot, you they could break your foot. So it's yeah. like you're you're creating this this connection with them because you're actually present within your whole body. Mm. Yeah, the stakes are high. Stakes are high. <laughs> it hurts when you get bucked off a horse. Does it? Yeah. Have you broken any bones from it? No, thank God. Knock on yeah. wood. I feel like since you've been out west, because you're from here, you're from Tennessee, right? Yeah. You were here until college. I went to UT for a year and then went to college in Colorado. Where? Which? Which one? Colorado Mountain College. We called it CM Ski. 
Mm, not a lot of uh, instruction going on there as much I as I graduated. Was. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. You skied a lot though? Yeah. Yeah. What were the mountains close by? Uh, we went to Vail a lot. Okay. And then there was one called Sunlight, but I had the Epic Pass or whatever it was called then. So we skied Vail, Breckenridge, those areas. The Epic Pass? Yeah. Is that the one where you can ski a bunch of different resorts that are not related to each other? Yeah, but Vail owns all of them. So you can oh, really? Ski, yeah. What's the uh, What's the one in uh, Montana? Do you know about the Icon? Yeah. Yeah. There were uh, when we were in Big Sky last year. There were a bunch of like anti-icon well, stickers th around. That's because it's taking like small mom and pop mountains and turning them into like more corporate style mountains. So okay, that's so, been the battle. Okay, so people are going on Groupon and buying a twelve hundred dollar <laughs> like lift ticket for a year that takes them to whatever the icon is. That pass is how many different mountains? I don't know how many pounds. I'm not but sure. But it's now. not just like Big Sky Mountains. It's like Jackson Hole. Yeah. And and Snowbird. It's almost and like there's two passes out there now. Well, I mean, there's a lot of smaller mountains that aren't on it, but like the Icon and the Epic. If I'm, I think I'm. I think gotcha. That's correct. And so like some of them own some of them. Some of them, you know, yeah. own the other. Yeah, it's it's weird though because it's like I remember growing up skiing. Like you bought a lift ticket. Yeah. Well, nowadays for you the can... day, and now you're buying a season pass to. To 10 different mountains that are on different sides of the United States or different sides of the West. Well, and that way you stay within their resort system. You know, yeah, like it's yeah. great. And you have access to all these other mountains, but it just depends on where you think you'll travel the most and all yeah. that. So, But is that bad? Like the commercialization of, of it? I don't know. I mean, it gives me I don't more... either. It seems like some of the locals are against it. And you've been a local of ski towns for like... <laughs> 20 years yeah yeah so um, i wonder like is there a is there a uh like an over uh like like an overarching feeling among the locals about stuff like that like i i feel like ski towns in general are always fighting like commercialization like they feel like they've got it figured out and they don't want anybody else to come but the tourists tourism money is nice well exactly and i just think it's to run a mountain has to be i mean i have no idea insanely expensive oh gosh right like i've heard both sides like it's nice that you can have a pass on like a that you can buy a pass for 600 bucks for the year and you can travel wherever you want to go and i know there are people absolutely hate it and at the same time i'm a big person well it's kind of like well unless we can really change it like figure out how to be happy about yeah, it. Just and lean into it. Yeah, I haven't had a pass in years. We we tend to go out in the backcountry a lot more now. Be and and that's to be honest, like they've gotten so busy everywhere, and that's yeah. just true with almost everything. That even the backcountry is busier now. Yeah, backcountry is crazy because talking about like you talking about feeling. Uh, like you're carrying your own bucket of rocks out there when you're driving a trailer <laughs> across the country. Like backcountry skiing is very much that way too. Yeah. Like you, I you know, I heard somebody explain it. Like you you don't go skiing with a backcountry partner unless you 100% trust that they have your yeah, that life. Yeah, back. Yeah, it's your they life. they have your back and your life in their hands because, you know, there's avalanches and other accidents that can happen and there's nobody there to help you. No, so they need to know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Or and you know what they're doing from ground up, like where you're going, what's the weather, mm -hmm. you know the whole deal. And what about the beacons? Don't you have to wear beacons? Yes, you don't. Okay. You don't. You don't have to. But what? So what happens if you fire off a beacon? Like if you get if you get stuck in an avalanche, let's say, you hit your beacon and it calls somebody. So it's on. So like anytime you head off on trail, anytime you're backcountry, you want to like stop at the trailhead, wherever you're at, turn it on, check everybody else's is working, batteries, gotcha. things like that. And then 
when you go up, it's active. So if you were to be in an avalanche, I would then turn my beacon, like say my partner okay. that I'm skiing with was in an avalanche. I would then turn my beacon to search mode and that's how I would be able to ping where they're at. You'd be able to find them. Hopefully, yes. Interesting. But there's not much time and it's 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 not an easy concept you know, or task. And I'm, yeah. I'm a baby at it. Like I definitely always go with people that are way more knowledgeable than me. And that's smart. And here's the thing at the end of the day, my goal is to come home. Yeah. And so we've always chosen areas we know, which doesn't mean it's always safe, but lower angle stuff, you're paying attention to the weather. Like, it's not just like throw your backpack on and skis and like, let's go get some powder. It's like, what yeah. are the snow layers this year? What's the persistent layer? What's What's the weather pattern been? And Utah actually has a, uh, I think they're a nonprofit, but an organization called UAC, which is Utah Avalanche Control. And they are just, I mean, on top of it, like the information they give. And it's a, it's a really wonderful go-to organization to be able to follow what's happening in the backcountry. Yeah. And, and they know, I guess, from data, if it's a year that they're likely to have an avalanche or not likely, depending on... Snowfall, temperatures, you know, what's melted underneath. Exactly. I mean, it's from day one. What was the first snow? What did it hit? What was the ground temp? What was the yeah. change in temp? What was the weather? Like, because you have everything, you know, like, is it north facing? Is it south facing? Is there an overhang? Is you? Yeah. It's all not, that stuff matters. Yeah. All of it matters. And like, who's below you? Like, what are you skiing above? Like, you may have a break you know, you may break it. There might be people below you. There's, there's just a lot that goes into it. It's like I said, I was like, I'm baby yeah. at it, but at least there's some really good resources out where I live to be able to tap into it. Man, we went out to, I think we went to copper last time that we went. Copper's a cool one. Yeah. That's a, that's a cool mountain. So you were, but you were out in Colorado for a minute, right? Yes. Cause you and I drove across country together mm -hmm. like 2010 <laughs> or 2011 Moved you out to, to Colorado. We didn't have a horse with us. Yeah, that one was easier. We didn't have a horse like in front of a hotel. Or 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 an animal. We no. just or a dog, right? No. no dog, no no horse. Nothing. We just drove, took a couple days. Thanks for driving across Kansas, by the way. That oh, was very gosh. helpful. When I just drove across Kansas right now, I had like the best arm best or worst or whatever you want to call it, arm workout for the whole day. Just like it was so windy gripping the steering. Oh wheel. really? Oh yeah. It was wow. crazy. But you can like see the other side of the state. Once you, I don't once know you if get you can into see it. <laughs> it feels like it because it's so flat. Well, and here's the the problem too. The part of Colorado that you leave out of going uh -huh. into Kansas, it's like it should be Kansas. So yeah. you start that part first, and then you're just like, okay. Yeah, like Lyman. Yeah. Coming out of there, like right up near the airport, you're like, how's the airport out here? And then you keep going seventy. Is it? It'd be seventy east. Me and Sarah were on our way back from. We went to Denver for New Year's one year and we were driving back in our VW bus and we got to the state line in between Colorado and Kansas. And it was just like we started seeing semi trucks off the side of the road. It was snowing so bad. The wind was awful. There was ice everywhere. There were cars just completely trashed off the side of the road. Yeah. And it was just like. <laughs> This is bad. Like people, people need to stop driving. Meanwhile, of course, we're just like keep right. going. Yeah. And and then we got to like I think we got to the state line. I forget the name of the the town, Burlington, Colorado, maybe. And they just had a they they just had the interstate shut off. Just like too bad you made yeah, it here. Pull in here, <laughs> and they had a Red Cross, uh, like shelter for all the travelers who couldn't 
make it across the state line because it was snowing so bad and the weather was so bad. And so they had set up like a school gym for everybody that was traveling oh, on I-70. And uh, we stayed in the van because it's, you know, outfitted right. like a camper and all that. But we went inside and checked it out, used the bathroom or whatever, slept there, spent the night until they opened the roads again. It gets so rowdy through there, through that, through the state line at Colorado and Kansas and all the way through the first part of Kansas in, in the, in the winter, January, it's like, it's next level. It's nuts. Well, and here was the thing, like I, I wanted to, I was going to go see my girlfriend in Denver either way. And I was like, well, yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, I can go through Wyoming and I was like, or I can go through Colorado. And I was like, they both suck. Yeah. Like not suck. Like they're, no, they're just hard. To, they're, they're just, just hard, hard to drive. <laughs> well, in that part of of I eighty in Wyoming, apparently the people that lived there when Eisenhower was building the interstates, they he, they were like, "Don't do not build here. Like it's well, I'm so sure bad. A lot of the wind were. is so oh, bad. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like the people that lived there, they're like, the wind. Like don't do it. And yeah. I mean, it's great. You know, like it's a great connection. But at the same time, it's so true. Dangerous. We, we came home one. I think it was like Thanksgiving. And saw, uh, like, everybody's driving, and it, like, turned to ice. And it was one of those storms. We'd been following the storm and trying to figure out, like, okay, should we stay? Should we try to beat it? Like, we knew it was coming. And we're driving down, and it's like an ice skating rink. The U-Haul truck in front of us all of a sudden is fishtailing, and we're just like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And it happens so fast. So just be careful through those states. <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. Super rough. But you – you moved out there like for good around, I, I don't know, you or around the time that you and I drove out there together or, yeah. or you moved out there to, were you in Denver at the time? I was. So I had gone to school in Colorado and then I lived in Summit County for a while. Yeah. In Silverthorne, right? Yep. Yeah. And that's then, when I came and visited you in like 2007 or something. And then was there for a minute, then moved to Montana, which still, still kind of might have my heart. Where'd you live? I lived right outside of Bozeman. Yeah. And I was doing photography Where? work. Um, I honestly can't remember the name of the town. The town, yeah. And then went to South Carolina. But I, our trip is somewhere in that, and I can't remember where it's at because I yeah. like came home and I don't know. And then moved to South Carolina, and then went to Utah. Where'd you live in South Carolina? Uh, Folly Beach. Oh, that's not bad. No, it was beautiful. I'm a mountain girl, though. Yeah, you, you like know. the winters. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I like the mountains. Folly Beach is sweet. It's like a little beach town. Yeah, it's a fun little place. You can, you can be a you can be a beach bum in Folly Beach. Totally, it's not too touristy. Well, you, I don't remember how long I was there for. I think I had like avoided the summer because I w oh yeah because we went out on a family ski vacation to Utah to Park mm. City, and I loved it. Fell in love and honestly came back and packed the stuff, sold everything I could, and moved to Utah. And I've been there for since then so however 13 years ago wow give or take what'd you do when you moved out still doing photography stuff uh no i went back to waiting tables i'd always kind of waited tables while after i graduated yeah. bartending and stuff too mm -hmm. yep. uh, and and that culture is like integral to ski towns too, oh right? yeah i mean we had a blast but at the same time like i love and appreciate it and i am it is not a life i could have kept up with it's not sustainable no not yeah. for me so, you know, just for too some much people. staying up late and drinking all night. And totally, all that. just yeah. too rowdy for me. And like, it's it was great, and I have great friends and relationships from it. I just am, it's just I don't know. At like ten o'clock now, I want to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I I remember meeting some of your uh, some of your Park City uh, bartending friends, and 
I could hang for a little bit. Right. Yeah. It was just like what it what we did. Like yeah. you did that and you skied and you did that. You got you know you partied and you skied and yeah. and it was fun. We had a great time, <laughs> but. When I went on a lot of trips, went to I would like randomly leave for a month and go to Costa Rica for a month, or I went to Africa for a month, and I really, just, yeah, it was great. Just as like off season type stuff. Yeah, like our summers and falls used to be a lot slower than they are now. Now they're pretty busy, but during that time, I just be like okay, and I did yoga training and traveled and all that jazz. It's kind of kind of living the dream a little bit, Nikki. Like <laughs> it, it's it's borderline ski bombing, you know? Oh, totally. It's- <laughs> But I mean, like, but I never lived with, like, 12 people. Like, yeah. I always had, like, a nice place. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, it was. I totally, I loved it. And I also had, but I was also pursuing, like, a million other ideas always at the same time from, like, private yoga instructing to nutrition coaching to wellness to now equine to to all of it. So I was, like, putting all my eggs in the basket to try to figure out which route I was going to go. Little did I know that it was going to be uh, become an author, but it's been the one of the greatest joys of my life. So is it all about helping? Like, is it all about uh, being an asset or being therapeutic to other people? Like, to me, yes. Even the bartending part kind of feels that way to me, you know? Well, bartenders are therapists. People just don't realize it. (laughs) Like, I mean, the the stories or the conversations I've had, like... It's people, they they feel safe there and and that's great. But it feels like it's kind of your, it seems like everything you've done, you've, you've, focus it towards being helpful to other people well thank you well i'm i'm not I'm, it's not a compliment it's just an observation like it, it it seems like that's where your focus is or at least what you're doing even with the books that you've got it feels like it's there as a service to it people it is and um so much of it for me comes from um well it started with whiskey and your coffee it's addresses the issues I had with depression or anxiety or whatever it may be. And I'm not saying that they're over like that. That's not a thing. Like there's still stuff I do, but I've, I've had to gain tools along the way to make it better. Right. And so with that, it, it all stems from a preventative standpoint of being like, okay, if we can teach this and do this, like, I think that there's a lot that I could have done before shit hit the fan for me with my mental health, with hormones, with all that stuff. And it was things that nobody knew. Like my mom didn't know, my dad didn't know. It wasn't, it was more kind of like what's happening. So is that the person you're trying to serve then? Is like on the front end before the shit hits the yeah. fan? Is that what you're trying to do? Is like yep. Im- impart tools or? Absolutely. Okay. That's the entire, like my niece, her name is Emma. I have a post-it note on my desk that says for Emma. And it's for Emma and for anybody else that could gain those tools before they go down the rabbit hole that I did or other friends that I know or people or people that I don't know. So it's really to help instill that from ground up, from mindfulness to nutrition to just awareness of the effects of positivity, of gratitude, of of serving other people, of how much those things, like if we... It's like building a house, right? Like if you build the house with the wrong tool, it's going to take forever. But if you build the house with the right tool. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. You're going to have a better foundation. Yeah. And so that's where my spark comes from. Gotcha. So how did it start to 
when did it start to become like a holistic thing, even to reach into like health and all that? Like, did it start with mental health being the first kind of building block or the first tool uh, that you wanted to uh, kind of serve or that, that place you wanted to serve and then move into nutrition and other body stuff, yoga, mindfulness, all that? So I would say it started when I was in my young 20s and I was in in the just the hell of it, like mm-hmm. the whirlwind of it. Doing and the work. <laughs> I, yeah, but I couldn't even do the work. I didn't know what work to do. Mm. And just so, letting it all happen to you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And so my mom took me to get my hormones and blood work done. Okay. And when that came back, everything was all over the place. I don't. I mean, this was almost twenty years ago. Like I don't remember exactly what it was. I just know stuff was a mess. And so I started working with. Um, I'm not sure what her title was at now. So a, a holistic doctor mm-hmm. and really helping get those things balanced back out through the use of vitamin D to herbs, to all of it. And I have to be honest, I think it was due to my mom saying, this is the route we're going to go. And I think she had done some work, some thyroid work for herself and found somebody that was more holistic and so I'm super thankful for that because it was a total game changer. So we balanced things back out and things got normal. And then I think life took a toll and I just went through some stuff in my, you know, 20 earlier or later 20s, like 26, 27, give or take. And then I think things kind of got like wacky again. And that's when like that was really my struggle, like that age range. Late 30s or late 20s? Late 20s, early 20s to late 20s was when it really like escalated. I always think of like the middle school years being really hard for- Totally. And they are. Females and I guess males too, but it's just like a a weird age. You're going through puberty. You care care more. Things are changing. You you know, your your, uh, sensitivity is heightened, things like that. I don't really put a lot of- of uh, focus on like your late twenties as being a tough spot to, to be too, but it is like that's when all the that's when all the rock stars die, right? Well, totally, <laughs> you know, it's true. But I think too that I think more happens then, and also for me, one thing that I remember my mom saying to me was, well. I just kind of always thought it was your hormones and they would work themselves out, like the twin, <laughs> the teen stuff, and mm-hmm. then things never really got balanced out for me, and. To even bring this full circle now, this recently happened in my life where I was like, okay, shit's a mess. Like I have anxiety over things I shouldn't be stressed about or hang up anxiety about. And at this point now, I'm in my late 30s. Like I have a lot of tools to help me move through shit, to move through stuff. And everything I knew wasn't working. So I went back and had blood work done and it was a game changer. And I would, oh yeah, from... My vitamin B being like extremely low and and all of these, when you look, if you were to look them up, you can see why and where they affect mental health. Yeah. There's a lot of different hormones, a lot of different vitamins in the body and they have different levels of like presence. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can get tested and look at a multiple page printout of where you fall. Right. Like percentile wise. Right. With all this stuff. And oh, then totally. there's there's also, um, you know, s- mostly uninvasive, uninvasive things you can do to uh, 
to help those levels, like mm-hmm. supplements are a good way to do it. Like for sunlight me, I, is a good way to sunlight, do it. Sunlight, like exercise I, is a good way to do it. <laughs> All those things, nutrition. Right. But it's it's your body being in a place of homeostasis, of balance. Mm-hmm. You know, and we get so far out of balance and like one thing happens that leads to the next, that leads to the next, and then all of a sudden you're just a hot mess. And it, when I got mine back, like my stress hormones were the highest in the morning and I was like, what? Like, so I wake up stressed, you know, and so. I kind of like that, though. I kind of <laughs> like waking up in your worst state. No. Because then it's just, it's it's smooth sailing from the way. No, you I do don't. do nothing but make it better all day long. Because I didn't even want to get out of bed. Really? No. That's but, tough. But, you know, I'll be honest. Like, it is. It was, it's been herbs and acupuncture and a reset. Vit- I take vitamin B shots now. Like it's been a game changer. I have friends now that are like, I'm going to get my stuff tested. I'm like, dude, this should be, this should be normal. Should because, be required yeah. reading for everybody. Like, so we know where we're at and like the importance of hormones in our body and the importance of electrolytes, the importance of all of it. And yeah, it's, I think the mind is so strong that people don't realize a lot of times what a deficiency they're operating at. Oh yeah. Oh, that's totally true. Like if you're on repeat of like awful thoughts, it's what the that's what you're like vibrating in your body. I mean, even physiologically, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. That's what you're vibrating in your body. Like that's what creates the rest. Yeah. So how far into the yoga stuff did you get? You said you were a yoga instructor. Oh, I've taught yoga for like, I don't know, um, 13 years. Yeah. Something like that. Almost since I've been in Park City. That's where I started to get trained at. So give or take. Did you do a, a, a YTT? I've done a lot of YTTs. Yeah? Yeah. Yoga teacher training? Yeah, I've done multiple over the years. Yeah. You get different like certifications and stuff, right? I do. So I used to do, um, well, still do. I still am a yoga instructor, but I used to teach more personal. Well, I was a a personal trainer and I did like group fitness classes and I was spin certified and Yoga was really always my love. My love, my love is the body. My love is what you were mentioning, you know, helping and understanding. And so that's why I dive into it the way that I do, because I think that the more that we understand what's happening within ourselves, the more that we can empower ourselves and others. Yeah, it, it's 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 back to the getting your blood blood taken and and processed and your hormones looked at like you need a baseline you need to understand you need to understand where stuff's at like honest to god i was like oh my gosh this is why i felt crazy like and it and and i don't yeah like we can laugh at it but you got your when you got your uh, levels read like i was like oh okay well this makes sense on why like the littlest thing would make me mad no it makes sense you know you get you get uh you get something to also like you get something to motivate you uh, or something not to blame it on. That's not the right word, but something to associate it with and say, OK, this is uh, this is a reason I'm feeling this way. Let me let me take let me let me take some action in the other direction because the other to make side it better because the other side of it is I am crazy. <laughs> and so we're all a little bit crazy. I know, but it was more like. Okay, if there's if I, everything's like baseline, we're all good, then it would literally probably have been like, well, then why can't I like not feel anxious when I wake up? Like something's wrong. And I think so many times we're not in tune with our bodies to even understand like it's screaming for something, you know, a shift of something. Self-care is important is important i think especially when it comes to the physical part of it too yeah. and you've always like you've always 
been active, right? Yes. I've never seen you look any different than you do now, (laughs) (laughs) which is like fit and like, you know, like you're ready. I I feel like you could run a marathon right now. I'm not not a runner, but I could probably do anything else. Like, uh, I just don't like running. It hurts me. It's not fun. I mean, go go if you're a runner. It's just not been my thing. But that's a really important part of it, I feel <laughs> like, is making sure that you feel comfortable with what your body, where your body's at. Totally. I tried to train for a half marathon. It was awful. I think I had shin splints for like six months. Really? And I'm sure somebody listening to this is like, oh, I'm a runner. You need different shoes. I tried different shoes. <laughs> I tried different training. I just didn't like it. So yeah. I ride horses and I, I do a road machine for cardio is my or I hike. Yeah. But I think it's all important. So you've got to find what works for you. That's key. Mm-hmm. Like it's not the same for everybody. So if you hate the gym and it's you have no motivation, like maybe find something that works for who you are. But do you think the body is like kind of the baseline, the foundation part of it? Do you think you need to feel comfortable with that to be like, I don't know, does it better position you to approach your mental health if you feel good about how your body's feeling well totally it's all one we have one whole we're a whole whole being so like to me it it all correlates if you've got to get your brain right and your body right and you've got to feel good and it's all like i said homeostasis it's all balanced so and i do i i've struggled with body image totally i mean i was bulimic and anorexic so it's like man i've been through a lot with it and and i will share this because i think it's interesting a lot of times I have people say to me, you should eat a cheeseburger. And I'm like, I eat Who cheeseburgers. Would say that? Oh, they say it all the time. Why? They do. They do because they think being skinny or fit or small means I'm not eating or I'm not healthy. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. And so for me, it's something that's like, it took me years to get comfortable with my body again. And then when I was, so I think you're absolutely right. I think you have to be comfortable with your body, whatever that is. Right. And that's also being comfortable in your mind with where your body is. I wonder if you could correlate, like we're obviously bigger than ever as Americans, you know, we're feeling, we're feeling, um, I don't know, we're, we're, we're overweight. We're, we don't exercise as much as we should probably. Um, I wonder if you can directly correlate that to, to mental health. Oh, absolutely. I feel like you have to be. Well, and there's no question in my mind about it. I mean, just showing what it does to your body, the stress it puts on your body. You're probably sleeping less if your body's not in mm-hmm. good health, good shape. Like you're not going to be getting the rest, which then leads, leads to more disease. It leads to more inflammation. It leads, I mean, it, it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. Right. Keeps getting more intense. Yep. And, the, and it's it. the layers. And when those layers add on, it just gets so heavy that it's a crash and burn. So is, is being able to, you know, do the yoga stuff, do the, actually take time to work on your mental health. Is that a luxury or is that something that? No, it's a choice. Well, yes, it is. But I wonder if, if you have to, I wonder if there's something that has to take place before that to where you feel, I don't know if it's, um, worthy to do something like that or if you feel like you're caught up enough on everything else to attack the mental health part of it because it feels like it's always last yeah well that's why it's a choice because if you if you choose to put it first it's going to make everything else better like if you go quiet the mind is a muscle just like other areas of the body that we rest that we work out that we do things to so even taking the time to simply spend 30 seconds start with 30 seconds if you feel like i don't have the time i have to get to work i don't have 
the luxury of that. To me, it's completely backwards where our mental health has to be first. There's study after study showing the economic impacts of better mental health for our whole country. There's there's so much information out there that you're more creative. You're you have a more. I mean, I could just go on about how how important it's a baseline. It's just the same thing as a baseline with your body. Well, it's 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 driving the ship ultimately. Ultimately. So you probably need to work on that before you you know you probably need to get the engine right before you get the, <laughs> yeah. the paint right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like we've been taught backwards. It's like fix the outside world first and not the inside world. But the inside world is what changes the outside world. Yeah. And so you're right. It it's like it's like building a truck and not putting it or not putting an engine in it or building like a really new truck and putting like a I don't know, the first engine yeah. in it. Which, or not putting well, any oil in it. Yeah, the something. Yeah. It's like that's not <laughs> yeah. the example, but yeah, exactly. Not taking care of not, it. Not it's a it's a well oiled machine. It's a circuit board, you know, like you have to keep yeah. it what what are you firing it with? Yeah. Gratitude. Yeah. That's what I'd fire it with. That's a good one. That's that's a good fuel. Yep. I feel like. It is. It's a good place to start, I think. And it's, it's easy. All, yeah, it's universal. Force a smile. Mm-hmm. Force a smile on your face. <laughs> And you'll feel better. Yep. I promise. Even if you don't want to. I And I've heard it before and it's really true. You can't be gratitude and depressed at the same time. And I've been attacked for that. But just for being tr- grateful and depressed at the same no, time. No, for saying you can't be grateful and depressed at the same time. It's like I can't sit. I'm, I'm only thinking one thought at a time. Mm. It's just that they all are processing very, very, very quickly. Mm. Right. Aggregated probably. Yeah. Mixed together. <laughs> right. Yeah. But so like if you're sitting there writing a gratitude list, you're not going to be thinking about the things that are making you sad. Yeah. And so, no, it, it may not replace everything, but it's a really good place to start. And you can be thankful for your plant. You can be thankful for any having a finger. Be thankful for yeah. a breath. Absolutely. And it's and for people like when or for myself, when it's like I have nothing to be grateful for, like. I don't actually ever think I have nothing to be grateful for. I just more think like, oh my god, I'm not doing that right now because I just don't really care. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to be grateful right now. I'm, I'm not going to take the energy to be grateful yeah. right now because I just can't. Because I just can't. I think that's the biggest. Uh, th- the biggest impediment to gratitude totally. is laziness. Totally. Because right? <laughs> it's like, well, I can be grateful. Energy. I literally all I could say I could go, I'm grateful for today. And I have said, I'll be honest, I've said times I'm grateful for things or prayers, like literally rolling my eyes. Like I've heard, you know, like I I, I think God speaks to us. And so I've heard God be like, so pray for so-and-so. And I'll be like, seriously? And like roll my <laughs> eyes at it, you know? And I'm yeah. like, all right. Do you catch yourself and you're like, what am I doing? No, I just kind of laugh at it because it feels real. It yeah. feels like instead of just succumbing to like, being forced to do something it acknowledges like really okay you know and it get there's more peace around it for me of being like all right like listen to that in whatever whoever it is for you god universe inner spirit whatever listening to that literally listening to that voice and i heard one time i loved it they said fear is loud intuition is quiet and so there are those moments that i think everybody's experienced you just kind of have to tap into a little more where there's that little voice that's like, it's okay, you got this. Being pers- uh, or having perspective and being able to identify it, I guess, too, is probably yeah. important. Being able to tap into the intuition. Well, be, and yeah, and like, and that goes back to your mental health and, and all of it because it's all about trusting yourself. The breath thing is interesting to me. So like, 
being able, like you said, be grateful for your finger, be grateful for your breath. Like, have you ever not been able to breathe? Have you ever, like, have, have you ever had like a throat thing or something that impedes the way you breathe? That'll make you realize real quickly how important that shit is and how grateful you need to be to have that system working right. Oh, totally. Like, if you can't breathe, you're dead. Yeah. What do you, exactly. I think they say, and don't, I don't know, don't quote me on this, but have they changed CPR protocol now to just compressions? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. So, don't know. but the reason that I bring that up is because I think, and look it up, and this isn't CPR training or anything, but that they talk about that you have, I think it's eight minutes of oxygen in your body. Oh, wow. And so keeping the oxygen moving, so keeping the blood pumping is why that they might have changed it to yeah, chest I compressions. Yeah, I mean, you have oxygen in your blood, and really yeah. when you're given those chest compressions, you're just behaving like the heart. You're just doing the work of the heart, yeah. pushing the blood throughout the brain, throughout the rest of the body, oxygenating everything in its path. Yep. So That's all you're minutes, doing. Eight minutes of oxygen. So it's like- yeah. So don't so don't waste your time blowing in my mouth. Right. Let's just keep it all moving. Well, that's why I mean- Let's keep what's already in there moving. I knew that they had talked about training that, changing that CPR training years ago, but I don't know if they did. But that's why, because it's like, don't go back and forth. You stop the movement of blood flow. Mm. But it's really, But it goes back to your breath. It's like, you got eight minutes of it. Yeah. And then I bet David Blaine could do 10, you know, hold his breath for 10. You think is he's still around? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he is for sure. He is. <laughs> he's killing of course it. Too. He is. Yeah. He's killing it. He Nikki, is. what else we got? I'm just, I'm, I'm damn glad that you came by because I hadn't seen you in forever. It's been a minute. First off, it's like, we just picked up where we left off. Yeah. Well, I think I do have to tell you the best part of the um, horse trailer experience. Oh, yeah. So we made it through Colorado, through the crazy Kansas, Kansas winds, whole yeah. deal. We stay at Cody's house in, sub in Denver. Denver. The horse and the dog stay in her backyard. Did you have the horse out of the uh, out of the trailer? Yeah, he just went in the backyard. And Roscoe? Like, and Roscoe. Just, just hood. And, uh, Roscoe's the dog. Yeah. And the, the horse's name's Waylon. Yeah. So Waylon and Roscoe just stood in Cody's backyard in the yeah. middle of Denver. And her husband, like, is a welder and works on cars. And so it's, like, filled with cars. I mean, we, like, primered it off. So, like, they had a safe space where Waylon did. And, and it, like, people would just be driving by, like, going to school. And I was just taking the horse about back. But that's not even – that was great. So that was the first part. Then we made it through Kansas Winds. And then I was – booked a hotel – off of um the exit but it was and, and i was in indiana and it was like 30 minutes off the exit so i make it to this like city that pops up out of nowhere in indiana yeah and i pull into the hotel and there's and i check in and the woman's like well there's nowhere to park so you have to drive your car over here and park it over in this lot and walk back and i was like yeah, no, I have a horse and trailer. Like, I can't just go park him over in that parking lot because the other hotel I stayed at had, like, just a nice grassy area. The trailer yeah. was in the back. No big deal. Took him out. No problem. It's fine. I took him to the dog area. It was cool. <laughs> it's the biggest dog I've ever seen, ma'am. Well, that's what I thought. I thought if anybody says anything, I'll just be like, it's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you see his brother? Both, both of them. Waylon's a Palomino and Roscoe's a white lab. So Roscoe thinks he's like a mini horse. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
And then I pull into this hotel, dude, and well, I I tell her the whole story, and she's like, okay. And she goes, well, you could just keep them parked in the roundabout. So my truck and trailer with horse in it parked in the roundabout part of the hotel overnight. And the next morning, there's more of the story that night, but uh, the next morning, I walk outside and I'm like trying to kind of like clean up the trailer a little bit. And I'm not scooping like, poop out or anything yeah. i'm just like cleaning up his area he's still in the trailer yeah. and there's a whole group of people that keep walking in and out that are in tuxes going to a wedding i swear i was like the kid or the guy in christmas vacation staying outside the hotel like morning shitter's full <laughs> <laughs> like so yeah it's kind of a rite of passage you know but everybody's good we made it safe Wayland's at a wonderful farm down over a strawberry park strawberry, strawberry pike. plains yeah strawberry plains yeah yeah it's great. Is he staying at a stable or something? It's just a farm over there. She's got yeah. like 15 acres. They do trail rides. It's called JSA Ranch. It's great. He's a Palomino? Yeah. What color is he? White, you said? Well, or Palomino what? is the color. So Palomino oh. is, so he's a quarter horse that's a Palomino. Okay. And so Palomino is kind of like a blonde. Okay. Mm-hmm. Quarter horse is the breed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do they do? What are they good for? Uh, everything. Yeah? Yeah. Do they show them? Can, yeah. For what? For what Well, events? actually, I don't... Uh, well, maybe they show them. I don't know. Everybody does everything with horses. Um, uh, Quarter horses are used a lot for trail rides and reining and cattle and all of that gotcha. jazz. Yeah. Okay. Is he loving it here? You think he'll like it? He's doing good. He seems happy. Yeah. It went out. Well, I rode for a ride the day I got here and then went out yesterday. It's been kind of rainy, so... Um, if you can, uh, if you can get a buddy with him, we should go up to a uh, middle prong in the Smokies. Let's do it. There's some horse trails up there. You can go, you can ride up to the Appalachian trail, hike over to Elk or walk over to Elkmont. It's oh, like, nice. yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good ride, but I see horse trailers up there all the time. Also Teleco okay. is, I see a bunch of people trailering horses down there too. And walking up the trails, some gravel roads, walking across the riverbeds and stuff. Nice. It's it's a thing, man. I told you I'm gonna go check out around Norris. Yeah. See what's check up out, there. Check out Norris. I've I've seen a little bit of that up there. Uh, there's like there's also some like side by side action, four wheelers and stuff like that. So you kinda gotta watch out for them. Watch out. Kay. Watch out for that. But Teleco I've seen I've seen some good horseback riding there. I'm on the mission to find him a buddy. Find him a buddy. <laughs> yeah. Can we go? Like, when yeah. you find him a buddy. Yeah. I've I've always wanted to ride through the Smokies. Oh, let's go do it. I think that would be super sweet. I know it's, to just... it's just beautiful. I was gonna stop at Daniel Boone National Forest on the way through up in Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, but I had crap weather, so I didn't. But I had a, a there's a trail up there I kind of wanted to check out, but it seems like there's way too many great ones around here. So. Yeah, I I bet he'd uh, I bet he'd enjoy getting getting up in the up in the mountains. He and does. All that. He's a beast. Yeah. He does good. How how far how much uh real estate can you cover in a in a day or in a an amount of time that there's so that many factors Wayland would want to walk. So if you had water for him, if you had food for him, how far could you take him out and how much could you how far could you expect to go? Like let's say you had a tent and a sleeping bag on the back and you wanted to go and we Get could probably go country. for like eight hours, six, eight hours. It's just going to depend on the, you know, the country you're in. Like, what's your train? What's the heat? What's all that jazz? Yeah, but you can cover how much? How much mileage? You think? Twenty miles? 
I would say that's give or take, yeah. yeah. You know, it's right like I said, there. it really is just going to matter on elevation change, all how, that, how yeah. much they're, yeah. Because here, he still, he like kind of has his winter coat from, well, and he needs it a little here. It's been cold, but you know, it's colder where I was at. So mm-hmm. he, he's going to sweat more here, but he could breathe easier. <laughs> yeah. It's about to get real cold. Promise me you'll you'll find some places in the Smokies to take him out because it's the most beautiful thing when you're hiking in the Smokies and you see somebody walking by on a horse. Okay, I'm in. It's so I'll cool. make it happen. It adds to the experience. Good. Nikki, I'm so glad that we got to hang. You too. Thanks me for too. coming by. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's hang. Okay. You're in town. We'll ride horses. Okay, sounds good. Works for me. <laughs> Love it. See ya. See ya. All right, how'd we do? Don't forget to check out Pete the Pony and Whiskey in Your Coffee. Nikki's the best. I'm so glad she came by. That was excellent. I hope you guys are well. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash south of scruffy. If you want to support the podcast, y'all take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Love you all, as you know. We'll see you next week. Pitchwire, play me out.